to Drummers Only Radio. Drummers Only is the UK's leading drum shop with store locations in Glasgow and Leeds. Our podcasts are full of interviews, gear reviews, and much more from the unique perspective of a drum shop. The show is hosted by two pasty Scottish dudes who talk real fast. Whoa. Slow down there, Braveheart. So here's Chris, the Glasgow shop manager, and Adam, the social media manager. Be sure to like, subscribe, and let's do this. Hello, everybody. Uh, Drummers Only Radio, episode number 48, and we are here with the wonderful Mr. Richard Spaven. Good evening. Evening, Chris. How are you, man? I'm all right, mate. Good, right. good. Um, for those of you who may not know who Richard is, he is a wonderful British drummer, uh, spends his time a lot in the jazz scene and the electronic scene, and he's played with people from uh, the band uh, Flying Lotus, the Cinematic Orchestra, Josie James, is it James Zhu, is that how you say that? James Zhu, yeah. James Zhu and Guru from Gangstar, as well as being a composer uh, with all his own awesome original music, so um, a potty history there um i'm sorry if i've missed anybody i think i've got there's a few in there but it's 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 a fine intro mate i'll set up for that <laughs> thanks um some of your i've been listening to some of your music for a long time and it's it's great man it's really great it's really fresh um thank you along with what i think is your approach to the instrument i think it's really unique um is that something that you spend time cultivating or is it something that just kind of naturally happened along the way kind of naturally happened and then I think it's later on when you look back and you're like (laughs) oh okay I see that how the pieces fitted together and you know it's it's actually sort of doing drum events and more teaching and stuff like that where you know you find yourself like referencing you know, all these influences, drum and bass and dubstep and all these scenes that I've just immersed myself in. And then you sort of think, yeah, okay, it's no surprise that you kind of sound how you sound, you know? Yeah, yeah, I I, I get that. I think it's just really cool to hear someone that has a sound. Um, There's, I don't know how you feel about it, but there's a lot of kind of TikTok music floating around. And a lot of it sounds pretty similar. So well, to try and uh, yeah. have a voice and amongst all that's really cool, man. I, I'm not the guy who you're <laughs> going to find on TikTok who's just like with a huge cheesy grin whilst I'm playing drums. You know what I mean? That's Please. that's kind of not, it's, it's not what I'm in it for, really. No, totally. I absolutely get it. But I, I just mean that it, it there's a lot of generic sounding players trying to sort of find their way through the noise I guess and it's kind of nice to hear someone just quietly going about their own thing with the sound and with an approach that's genuine and and unique and not contrived you know yeah well I think it's potentially easier to be to sound generic these days because of you know I didn't have YouTube when I was sort of Hmm. shaping myself as a drummer I didn't have all of that. So you had to sort of like source out your influences for yourself and those scenes that I got into. Yeah. But now there's so much available. It's like everything is available. So it's easier to like dabble in a lot of things. You know, it's like, oh yeah, I know about drum and bass because I saw it on YouTube. But yeah. to me, that's not how you how you sort of bury all that stuff, all that musical knowledge into your playing DNA is not from checking something out on YouTube, you know what I mean? Absolutely do, absolutely do. I, I'm old enough to grow up round about grunge, um, yeah. which was all kind of pre-YouTube, and I can still actually draw on all that if I want to. You yeah. know, a lot of that is still there, it's still tucked away, whether I like it or not. I think it's just, you know, you put a pumpkin song on or something and that, it'll just come out, you know, I just understand how to do it. And it's just from years and years and years of digesting the music. Exactly, yeah. You know, um, do you find your your sort of influences coming out like that, sort of just whether you want them to or not? Yeah, I, do, I mean, I feel like I am what I am, you know. Mm. It's, it's kind of, I like to play clean, you know, for mm-hmm. instance. And I think that is just, you know, that's not something you necessarily choose to do. It's just a sort of like inner 
kind of a taste of how you want to sort of like produce your your drumming and put it out there you know so there's there's certain elements to my sound that are just kind of that are just built in i think yeah it's that kind of music or your playing being a reflection of you does that make sense like if you're very um considered or uh, I guess the easiest way to, to put it is if you know those those drummers, if you've got any pals that are perhaps uh, a little louder than than a normal human, and when you get behind the kit, you hear them play, and it's this sort of direct reference to who they are as people, you know? Yeah. Um, so if you're maybe a, a sort of more considered person, then your playing will be more considered. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and, it's, and the sound of the kit as well, you know, just mm. everything everything gets tweaked doesn't it and mm-hmm. yeah i'm definitely definitely a consider i'm considering what i'm doing yes <laughs> yeah yeah i think you couldn't play the music you play any other way i don't think it's too hard <laughs> well yeah it's 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 um it's engaged yeah mm-hmm. yeah yes yeah. there's, there's there's layers to it for sure absolutely I was watching, um, there's a, a YouTube video, I think it was something that you did with Vic Firth, yeah. where it was your trio, and you have a singer involved in that, I think it's about yeah. a 20 minute clip, and there's a solo you play on it, which is tremendous, I think it's the first track, and it's over a vamp, and what I kind of noticed when you're improvising and soloing is it, it, it feels like you're you're really pushing and you're really taking chances, but you have this incredible control and nothing gets, it's like this weird juxtaposition of being able to control yourself while still taking um, taking chances and improvising, you know? Yeah. How was that something that you developed? How did you develop that skill? Um, well, I'm not like a huge kind of soloist, you know, in <laughs> terms of like, yeah, yeah, everybody just just hang back and I'll, <laughs> I'll take this, you know, <laughs> but like having playing with a band who you trust is something that is great for mm. that. But then it's just kind of like in a, you're sort of in a clock being so strong and rooted that you can, you can move in and around it and not be too worried about, you know, I'm not in that situation. I'm not worried about falling off. I'm, mm. I'm just immersed in, kind of just trying to make some phrasing that's weird and you know off the wall kind of phrasing and going across bar lines and just picking out you know like really off kind of 16ths or whatever it is that's going on Mm -hmm. you're just you're basically just trying to flow I I like the feeling of flowing when I'm playing you know Mm -hmm. And I think when you feel like you're flowing, you sound like you're flowing. And and whether you're playing a groove or you're in like a solo situation, I think that's been the thing for me is just like being aware of flow. I mean, I talk about flow all the time mm-hmm. um, with, you know, in teaching situations. And that's just saying that's really important to maintain, you know, whatever the situation, I think. Yeah, I I wholeheartedly agree. I think it's, if you can, if you can get to that stage, it's probably the best place or the best way to play music. You start, yeah. you don't think really, you just play. Yeah, you just channel, yeah. Yeah, but it's sometimes it's really hard to, to shut your head up. Oh yeah. You yeah. know, like especially if you're playing something new or something that's maybe not quite got under the hands yet, you know, yeah. and I th- but I just, I was just really impressed by that kind of flow. Uh, I think that's maybe the best way to describe it. You know, uh, um, does it help with the players that you choose to play with, being people you can trust? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you build up trust. You know, like like a proper band, mm. who you know, people that you play with often and have done over a period of time. I just think that's important as well. You know, to to feel like a band when you're playing is great, you know, not just a, a bunch of musicians who've just got together. You which, sound different. Yeah, which is what the jazz scene can often be. Yeah. And can often feel like, I think I spoke to, or not I spoke to, I heard Antonio Sanchez talk about it. And he actually tries to draw a lot from rock music. It's like, can you imagine going to see a band like Kiss 
and they're all kind of reading charts and they've got their back to the yeah. audience and they're all telling in jokes to each other which is so often what audiences get when they see a quartet playing you go and see kiss and there's like a bass solo in the first tune <laughs> totally and it's super tight and you know they, they all know the music inside out you know there, there's no questions asked on the stage it's all about the performance yeah you know and I, I think that that can be something that's missing from from the jazz scene sometimes you know maybe with younger players perhaps i'm not sure you know, maybe more seasoned guys are kind of know better and, and try and get the music off the page. But that's what I, I certainly really noticed with your your trio anyway. It felt like a band. And you play with Robin quite a lot, don't you? Malarkey on bass, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you've got a whole Patreon thing going on. Yeah, me and Malarkey have... Well, we both have Patreons. I mean, that's obviously has been a kind of a, a result of trying to stay busy in lockdown and mm-hmm. being a, a workaholic, you know. So we both have... <laughs> We both have respective Patreon things happening. And, um, you know, I do I do sort of like tutorials and one-to-ones and stuff on there. And then we joined forces and did some like drums and bass tutorials. So we get all into like Detroit hip hop. And um, this month was uh, like time signatures and just talking about stuff from a kind of rhythm section relationship kind of point of view which I just find is a nice thing to you know we do a lot of drum tutorials um I think they're pretty interesting (laughs) on there but um it's nice just to change that up and just perspective you know like band perspective um drummer and bass player is obviously a, a vital relationship so um it's been good to talk about that we've got a bunch coming up like talking about drum and bass and some different mm-hmm. genres of music and a um, bunch of stuff. Amazing. I think, do you do you teach one-to-one a lot or do you teach younger kids a lot? Not really younger kids. It gets more kind of um, sort of specialists, you know. Mm. I think people come to me when they kind of, they're, they're looking for something that they hear in my playing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's that tends to be the stage that I, I get hold of students these days. Right, because I think... I spoke to a few players and uh, about this that that idea of drummers playing with other musicians is kind of missing a little bit from from sort of introductory lessons with people. I mean, the past year notwithstanding, you know, nobody's been able to meet up. Sure. But trying to encourage, you know, if if young kids come in to buy drums for the first time and they're like, uh, "Are you looking to play with people?" Oh, I don't know. You know, there's this kind of it's kind of gone a, a little bit that that spark of getting together with other musicians so it's, it's cool to see that you know you're taking charge of that as this is a unit this is a relationship and it's really important for your development regardless of the style yeah i mean well it's extremely important yeah get rid of the <laughs> get rid of the in-ear monitors get rid of the click track and and vibe with somebody mm. you know mm-hmm. it's kind of what it's about isn't it mm-hmm. yeah for sure for sure but you know like it's, it's, it's really easy to forget that sometimes i think you know because yeah. we you know these things are everywhere and and, and that's where people are they're, they're sort of involved with that more than actually hanging out with people and playing music you know yeah. when when i started that was the first thing i did i got quite fortunate to be able to play music with people right away because the school welcomed it and that kind of thing i don't know if you had a similar experience uh, not not a school i didn't at all actually mm-hmm. there was no there was nothing going on oh really with music yeah but um i was at that time i was playing in um youth orchestras like jazz orchestras mm. outside of school so i was playing with a lot of people most of them were four times my age at the time <laughs> but um but that that was that was a good lesson you know that was um i suppose what you were saying about soloing you know i knew i knew what a drum solo was i knew how to do one mm-hmm. i knew how to take fours or eights or whatever and mm-hmm. Um, that was sort of like natural. I'd, I'd got to that so early on that, um, you know, I got all that sort of discipline kind of ingrained in me from, from the off. Right. And it was, it was later really that I'd started getting massively into hip hop that I was like, Oh, I can do some other things to my taste with this technique and sort of musical skills that I've got. Um, so it's quite nice to sort of do the discipline first, come from that and then, sort of move into some areas 
um, you know, where my musical tastes were going. Mm-hmm. Do you think your playing would be different if it was the other way around? If you'd got into um, playing your musical taste first and then discipline later? I, I expect it definitely would have been, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I would have yeah. been just, I don't know, jamming along to hip-hop <laughs> records, I reckon. Nothing wrong with that. No, no, absolutely not. And I think for a lot of people, what whatever the genre is, that's what it is for them these days. But sure. that discipline gives you the, the sort of, it helps you develop your practice ability because I think that's a skill that is often missing. Yeah, yeah, you I know? mean, just discipline all round like technical discipline and and practice discipline mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and just shutting up and listening <laughs> to your teacher you know i was good at that yeah totally because they they have the experience right yeah 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 for sure um how do you approach composition because you've got what five records under your own name now four or five four or five yeah there's more coming oh great oh cool i'm just kind of glad to say like all different ways mm-hmm. so many different ways of approaching it um, and I'd, I wouldn't want to approach in the same way all the time at the risk of records sounding like formulaic or something like that. So, you know, I'd, it could be like um, there's a tune of mine called The Self that started out of it took me three days to to write the keyboard part, right. um, to write the keys part. And, um, you know, that was that was what started that tune and then you know sort of building the groove around that really carefully and thoughtfully Mm -hmm. um and other tunes could be like some little sample or some little beatbox on the phone or something or i've just had an idea and trying to realize that Mm -hmm. um or just more traditional sort of writing uh with my guitarist Stuart mccallum just you know getting together having a writing session which we would do that a lot on the road um i miss those ones sort of like Mm. hotel morning (laughs) hotel next morning after the gig you know Mm -hmm. getting up early to make time for that so i'm looking forward to getting back to that for sure but um but yeah all different ways just all there's so many approaches you could take yeah yeah did you do you have a sort of working knowledge of harmony and and that kind of thing uh it's not great but it's i can like in the home studio i can write music Mm-hmm. and yeah. um i mean my guitarist is a harmonic genius so <laughs> any anything that i need expanded upon you know he can generally hear what i'm hearing you know and right expand accordingly i used to like working with um what's the word i want limitation on yeah. parameters i yeah. think it's really helpful you know this one's going to be in a certain key or you know the the bridge section has to do something else or you know kind of forcing yourself into a corner yeah well it, it helps um because uh, starting from nothing is very difficult mm. sometimes you know just blank uh, just a blank page mm-hmm. can be difficult if there's some if there's some points on there that you need to navigate it can you know, you've got shape straight away or whatever it is, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you ever force your drumming into a corner? Just put yourself into something where, you know, you've got to box your way out of or something, you know? Well, all the time. <laughs> I, I mean, I think that's how I play really, just constantly, you know, because it's so, it, it's just so in the moment um, mm. and not, you know, I'm not someone to predetermine what I was practicing and just try and play like exactly that yeah it, on, on a gig you know here it is that thing mm-hmm. it, it's more sort of um just blending all of the practice together in an organic sense and mm-hmm. um seeing what comes out so i definitely get into some corners but i kind of enjoy <laughs> that because you you find you're in a sort of you're disorientated in a place when you've got to find your way out and try and make sense of it and um i I'm often in the middle of a phrase with no idea how it's going to resolve. <laughs> and um, that's the way I play, you know. rest of the band are kind of looking at you like, where's this going to go? Well, like I said, I know them well. So, yeah. you know, there's, they're probably probably not getting dirty looks. They're, just, they're, <laughs> like, they're like, yeah, he's got this. It's fine. Yeah, it'll be, it'll, it all comes out in the wash. So exactly. like, is that even the same for something that's more groove-based? Or will, will you have a sort of 
a groove for the melody section and then open it out. Depends what it is. Again, yeah. like the compositions, it's, um, you know, some of my tunes, they'll be really sort of specific parts, mm. which will then move into areas in the arrangement where I know that I can open up. Um, or, you know, sometimes it would just go totally crazy and um, <laughs> no one really knows where it's going, you know, as well. <laughs> uh, I think it's nice to have that um, in a live situation and not just go out there and just play your record as it is on the record. You know, it's nice to have a um, a live kind of version of your music. Yeah, well, it's, it's not that kind of band anyway, is it? It's not a band that would go out and, and just play it note for note. That would be pretty pretty pointless really well you got the record for that yeah you know? for sure for sure and it's not a pop or rock band you know where that is the vibe and that's the case they go out and that's yeah. what they do but even some yeah. of the best rock bands will take it to different places unless the music is mental you know if you're going to see Tool or something where yeah. it's 15 minutes long and it's all at 11 they, they, they don't really want to take crazy chances on that you know yeah. um, and if you've paid 100 quid a ticket you might not want to see them take crazy chances on that but if you know what you're getting yourself into I'm not sure I want to pay 15 quid <laughs> to see a band playing 11 for 15 minutes <laughs> well I, I do like them it's, it's um, I, I'll hold my hands up it can it can it can it can be good fun you know it's loud enough I guess to distract the fact it's an 11 but do you know what I mean it, it's the it's the, the point I guess I'm making is that the music you're playing is not going to be pigeonholed with that you know it's going to be a little freer yeah at least i think yeah. so anyway um i noticed as well i thought it was really cool that you got involved with a company called lander yeah and put out a, a sort of sample pack yes that's, that's pretty hip there's some pretty cool stuff on there man i was i was i was going through some of it how did that come around is that something you've always been well i guess being in a hip-hop sampling and, and samples have been part of that since day one absolutely yeah yeah, you know. I mean, that was good going into that. It's like I'm well versed in drum samples, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm very influenced by a lot of classic samples and all that. So I kind of, I get the the whole thing of sampling drums. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, they just, they asked me to put a collection together. And, um, you know, then it's like, well, what are we going to do? You know, so it was, mm. um, it's a whole, it's the first one that I've done just done another one recently and um yeah it's like um it's a good chance to put down a load of classic beats and you know of course i just got out all the kind of um all the genres you know that i that are all my sort of go-to favorites mm -hmm. so it's a lot of like hip-hop grooves and uh you know bits of drum and bass and house and uh broken beat and dubstep mm -hmm. um it's all in that kind of kind of electronic genres you know but yeah played in an acoustic on an acoustic kit yeah and with a different kind of feel and a different kind of sound and and that it's, it's something i think that's pretty it's pretty cool it's, it's a little bit more unique in the marketplace for that for use a better for want of a better term do you know what i mean within the sort of sampling market because it's obviously becoming a huge thing now that kind of beat replacement or sample thing is 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 is, is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, especially with things like electronic drums becoming more advanced and computer programming becoming more advanced. It, it's nice to see something played well, sound good, and have that kind of flavour. You know, it's not a rock sample or it's not someone that's just put a filter over the top of it or something. It's, yeah, you know, I think it's something a little a little different for that that kind of market, you know? yeah. I mean, it's, there's powerful tools out there, you know? Mm, absolutely. Like, and 300 samples of me playing a whole bunch of grooves all recorded properly, I think, is a <laughs> pretty powerful tool when it's presented by Lander, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So are you, what's the next one going to involve? Is it, so, is it something similar, or are you going to do something a little more outside? Or uh, It's kind of similar, yeah, but we, uh, we just changed it up with some... Uh, we just had the opportunity to spread out a bit in the studio and... Um, just use more sounds and uh, mm -hmm. just sort of expand expand it out, really. Yeah, good. Oh, that'll be good. It'll be cool to see. Cool to see. Um, it would be kind of, uh, I guess, remiss of 
a drum shop podcast to not talk about drum gear. Um, yeah. And one of the things I've always really liked about you is that you use modern gear, especially in a jazz in the jazz scene or context, a lot of people are into sort of vintage drums and that kind of thing. But if you look at anybody that was in around in the 60s, whether it's the Beatles or Elvin or anybody that was playing, they were playing the best of gear that was available to them. Yeah. Do you know, they weren't playing drums from the 20s that they were like, oh, well, this guy played this back then and this is what was cool. They were playing the best... Coltrane played the best saxophone that he could get. Elvin played the, the latest Gretsch that he could get. So it's cool to see you playing sort of modern, um, what's the word I want? Um, oh, it's gone. Um, resonant gear, you know, gear that's not taped down. Has that always been a conscious thing that you've been into? Have you always been into Yamaha? I have always been into Yamaha, yeah. Like yeah. when I saved up my paper round money. <laughs> The first kit that I bought was the Yamaha Power V, and anyone who had a Power V always. Have you got one? I do. Yeah, I do. Everyone, everyone is fond of their Power V, so that was my kind of Yamaha in. Mm-hmm. And then I went. I did a gig at Leeds College of Music a long, long time ago, and they pulled out this uh, Yamaha Maple Custom, like eighteen-inch bass drum. Mm-hmm. Um, the sort of I think it's black mahogany i think they call the finish it's a real classic yamaha yeah, finish with the gold lugs that's the one yes yeah so that's like 18 10 14 and that was my first kind of experience with an 18 and i was like well actually i just went and bought one the exact same <laughs> kit yeah. which i've still got and that was a long time ago so like hooking up with yamaha was um i'm proud of the fact that that's that's the gear that I, you know, spent my own money on. Mm -hmm. And it's also, I don't know, it's very, I I know it's different for some people. For me, I kind of just need, I need my sound to do what I do, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and there's something about these, um, the absolute hybrid maple kit that is just like, oh yeah, that's, that's just my kit. Like, you know, again, when I got that Maple Custom, I was like, I'll never get rid of this. Because it, it just was like, okay, I've got my sound. And the Hybrid Maple's th- exactly the same. It's like, it is just so my kit in every way, you know, ergonomically mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just technically and sound-wise and just everything. Um, yeah. I had I one do... for a while as well. I think that the most acoustic, the acoustically resonant drums they've ever built outside the PHX, yeah. I think they're sensational yeah. drums. You know, yeah, tremendously well made. Absolutely, I just, I just love, I just love my kit. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, and I get it that people want to buy a lot of vintage stuff, um, but that's just not where I'm at. You know, I mean, I'll use kind of um, uh, fiber skin heads and stuff like that, and Mm -hmm. sometimes you know, and um, and experiment a bit. Um, but it tends to be pretty kind of locked off in, in, um, one kind of a tuning, you know? Yeah. And I, I just love 18 kicks. I just think they're expressive and funky and just, I don't know, just more fun. You get more kind of feeling out of it, you know? Yeah. A bit more expression. It's a different thing. Totally. It's, you're shooting for tone. Yeah. You know, it's not necessarily about put a pillow in it, hit it really hard. You know, you're you're trying to to get the drum to have a, a sort of a spectrum of sounds. You know, from really quiet to louder and and that kind of thing. And and I, I guess, well, you will absolutely notice how different it is to play the beater in versus let it come out on a drum yeah. that size. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you want to make that sound choice, it's there for you to make. You know, and it, 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 you control it as opposed to the drum controlling it. Yeah. Does that does that make sense? Yeah. I think. Yeah. Is I tell you, we were. I was at. I was playing at Tam Tam, uh, drum festival. Oh yeah, yeah, in Spain. Yeah, a few years ago it was, and um, a, a favorite drummer of mine was was on the bill, Will Kennedy. 
Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like he played with Yellow Jackets for mm-hmm. years, and that is incredible player. And we were just walking along. All the kits were lined up. There's a picture of it somewhere. It's lovely when they do that. You know, it's just a line of everybody's setups. You know, all looking great. And we kind of went along, and we were just like really curious what other people's kits sound like. And he jumped on mine, and he was just like, "I just can't get this kick drum to sound how you make it sound." You know. <laughs> and I was looking at him like, "But you're Will Kennedy. You could do anything. I think you're amazing." You know. Yeah. And it was kind of the same when I played his twenty kick. I was just sort of like, I didn't know what I was doing with it. You mm. know what I mean? Whereas like, when it's your thing, you're you're sort of believing in the sound that it makes, so you're sort of playing it from from here in a way. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So it's just kind of that thing when you get to know your sound, it just becomes like it becomes weird if you play something that's not your sound. I mean that that can be nice now and again, but there's times when it's like it's it's a big gig i just need my sound right now it's yeah. got a, you know like tam tam yeah for you sure. know i mean i on stage and and the the um it was kind of hilarious not at the time <laughs> the social media guy just ran up to me i was really nervous huge it's a it's a really big festival you know and um social media guy ran up to me and he was like rich oh man this is so great we've got 8,000 people are watching on YouTube live and I just walked out on stage and the kit was covered in GoPros and I was like oh my god brilliant thanks for that it's, man yeah it's online somewhere that funny enough I got I got really into it I absolutely loved that show which is why it's nice to talk about but yeah for sure man for sure um, was that 18 inch kick thing just instantly this is it that when you sat down and leads that yeah. day just like this is mine well yeah like I say I just I went and bought one straight afterwards even after all that time it's still the thing do you know it hasn't it hasn't changed for you I don't think has it it's, it's all been it hasn't no I've got a 20 that I use you know for when you go and play for somebody that is that might want a bit more some other options you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. Um, a bit more sort of classic like yeah. you know um you know, making the drum sample records, we just get some different kicks out and yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, um, for sure. Bit more beef yeah. if you want it. Yeah, yeah. But for me, 18. And I love sound engineers who are, I've had that a lot because playing a lot of hip-hop shows over the years and um, with 18 kicks and sound engineers, I love it when they say like, man, that kick sounds amazing. You know, you don't need all that extra nonsense you know <laughs> i mean it's yamaha baby it's just they're just really well built absolutely, you know? absolutely. Yeah. still for me i mean we we sell everything but that mounting system for the toms it's the greatest thing in the market it's tremendous i'm, I'm in the right place aren't i to to talk about this right this is yeah. it's because yeah. i feel like i feel quite passionate about yamaha hardware yeah <laughs> i really do <laughs> and it like I I absolutely hate overcomplicated hardware, mm-hmm. and like like you say, like Tom mounts that like that sort of like grip onto the it's like quite a degree, going, yeah. What is going on, you know? And and Yamaha just seemed to go for the tidy, minimal. Yeah, it's like just it's and it's it's it looks great, and it's just it's great to work with, you know. You put you you put the drum on as like one point of contact to get the drum 360 degrees wherever you want it to go it's just like it's tremendous so simple and my old favourite is like if you've got two toms which I rarely have you know on a on a tom mount coming out of your bass drum uh-huh. you want one tom most people just take a tom off a Yamaha of course you can just take the tom off that you want with the tom holder get rid of the whole big clamp and then it just yep. fits straight in so you only need one little <laughs> One little Tom holder sticking out. I love that sort of stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah. And you were kind of um, part of the marketing campaign, I guess, for the Stage Custom Hip. Yes. When that video came out, man, we were all like, I remember we've got a bigger computer down at the, the cash desk and we were all standing like knocked out by that video. You just made that bass drum sound enormous. It was it was insane. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a 20 and um, it was, it, the acoustic in that room was quite, open mm-hmm. and I, I left the kit quite open just because i wanted to just see you know what we could get out of it 
I thought it might be a bit different, and it it does. It sounds crazy, yeah. But this just bottom end come out it like, yeah. How does that happen? You know, it's 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 pretty amazing to see. Um, and I'll, I I remember you watching it, and you were like, you played that floor tom that's a snare, yeah. Oh, and you're I like, that. give me five minutes, and that's le- legitimately in my setup now. You know, yeah. it's not. It's it's just going to be this thing that I actually like. I have my rack tom, this snare floor tom, and my floor tom. It's just part of the. It's part of the thing now. Yeah, it made me. It made me kind of like, oh man, I was, you know, <laughs> da- damn it, I need this. Yeah, for sure. Do you do you play a match in snare drum? We're getting really nerdy now, but like, do you play a match in snare, or do you have different? snares that you can use well do you know what it's it's more of a recent thing that i got the i got a recording custom brass mm-hmm. and and i was using that as second snare a lot and i had it tuned down and it you know it sounds amazing mm-hmm. and then i was that was my thing going to a session i would just take the the matching maple mm-hmm. hybrid maple snare that was sort of more tuned up in sort of like my sort of hip hop sound. And then the brass was sort of number two. Should we require a kind of lower pitched thing? Um, and uh, I was on a session not that long ago and I just cranked it right up. And and it's one of them. I don't know if anyone has this, but you're kind of like, do not tune that, you know, <laughs> just like do not touch the tuning on that. It was yeah. just like right on the so, sweet spot. Yeah, that's kind of become it. That has become my main snare in the last six months. Thirteen or fourteen? Um, oh, fourteen. Yeah, right. Because they, they like they they both sell really well, but the thirteen six and a half kind of outstrips the fourteen up here. Interesting. Um, yeah, controversial. People, I would yeah, say, yeah, people love it. Adam, who put all this together, he that's what he uses. He uses the thirteen six and a half. Um, what the volume on those things? If you want it, is it's outrageous you know it's great you know because there's times when people for sessions they want you to bring if the if you haven't if you're not turning up with seven snares they <laughs> you know they feel sort of ripped off <laughs> short short changed or something but yeah. i just turn up with that with the hybrid maple and the and the brass and i rarely get beyond the brass to be honest really I just, just it's that thing is ridiculous and yeah. I, i've posted some you know, just, I don't know, Instagram videos or Patreon and stuff. And just, there'll just be comments like about that snare, about how it should be made illegal and that sort of thing. <laughs> I mean, it, it, yeah, you look at that and you look at drums twice the price and you're like, well. Well, you know, it's just one of those things. It's like, um, it's like the minor 16 inch hats. It's like, you know, hi hats for life. That's not... <laughs> You know, you don't, you don't just sort of like, you're not disappointed with, with the, you know, extra dry 16s. They're just like, they're like having a sample sound right there. They're just crusty and dry and <laughs> just, just absolutely beautiful. And it's the same with that snare. You know, you just don't, it's, it's just not about, you don't feel like there's something better out there that you're working your yeah. way towards. Totally. It's just like, man, that is just it, you know. Yeah, for for real. Do you mess around with any of the Foundry Reserve stuff, the new Minel stuff? Have you seen that? I have seen it. Yeah, I've tried some of it out, and um, it's like I'm I'm so blown away with the extra dry stuff, and the way that that kind of just fitted in with my whole sound, you know, yeah. that I was sort of looking for. Um, that I. I'd, I find the Foundry Reserve to be sort of expressive and light and compared to where I'm at with symbols that are all so dark and, mm-hmm. you know, they all look like they've been dug up <laughs> in a archaeological dig or something. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, for me, I'm just, I'm still obsessing with uh, extra dry symbols. I just love them to bits. Yeah, they're doing, they do some pretty hip stuff to, to mine all. Um, they do, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they really. Do. I I unboxed and put out some of that jewel stuff today. The um, you, you played the sixteen inch trash. Uh, the, the, no, the, the jewel one. Oh man, mega! I got a twenty two jewel ride. I've been playing mm-hmm. that today, and yeah. it's just a lovely. It's literally a mixture. It feels to me like a kind of a light ride in a way because it's 
it's sort of quite clean and pure, but it has that sort of panginess with the uncut part of the symbol. Totally. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's great middle ground for me coming from real clangy, you know, I love clangy <laughs> rides and I love symbols that just that just shudder, you know, <laughs> and shimmer, you know. So Yeah. But the yeah. beautiful thing is they don't get in the road. It's not they're not overbearing in any way, you know. The the, the sound is really pure. Um, especially yeah. if you want to record them. Man, recording the extra dries, right, with the sort of music that I play, is just, they just mix themselves. They sound so yeah. musical and and um, it's great when you record and you go and listen and it just sounds kind of mixed already, yeah. you know. They, they just blend and mix themselves really tastefully. It's, yeah. it's beautiful. Bigger hats are becoming a total thing as well. Everybody is getting further and yeah. further down that rabbit hole you know using 17s and 16s all the time as opposed to yeah th- i think 13s are dead in the water now you know right um they're, they're just nobody seems to be knocking the door for them in the same way that yeah. they did like 10 years ago you know um yeah. so yeah I, I get why you think the 16s are 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 the hi-hats for life uh they they'll record so well as well because they're lower oh, pitched you know yes and yes uh, uh, Pies they do it well with the, the, the sort of giant beat range they, they sit in a mix they're pitched in such a way where they're not loud but everybody can hear them yeah it's that kind of vibe you know I think yeah. it's great it's great yeah um, right that's the gear nerdy bit sort of <laughs> I mean we could go on for days and days and days Yamaha bringing out new FP9 pedals all that stuff have you tried those? I have amazing I used one on the on the um, hip oh, gig yeah yeah on the yeah, hip yeah. stage custom hip shoot yeah yeah they are amazing Look, the last five years for Yamaha has been game-changing. EAD, um, that pedal, the cross-down hardware, all that stuff. They make pedals where you don't really feel like you're. there's anything there, you know, which I totally. I don't like big, clunky, heavy, complicated pedals. Mm-hmm. You get the idea. I've already, you know. Yeah, put it on the drum, play it, it works. Well, and it just feels light and it just gets out of your way and it's just there for, you know, yeah. just does what you need it to do. For real. Yeah. Um, okay, so... Where do you see the future of the instrument with the music that you play? In terms of like, in terms of kit-wise that I play, you mean, or just musically? Not just musically, like, you know, the role of the instrument for that kind of um, music, you know? Well, I mean, I suppose, you know, ever since I started, I've always been trying to improve, you know? <laughs> so that that never goes away, so you're constantly developing and just sort of like new sounds and like that snare we're talking about the Yamaha and um, like trying out a different, having a small snare as well on the right hand side and stuff like that. It's just, you just never get bored of that experimentation, Mm, you know, Mm -hmm. putting a trash crash inside my hi-hats to make them (laughs) even more ridiculously dark and splashy. And, um, just all of that and just i don't know for me i love making records so much it's one of my favorite things to do mm-hmm. and i really care about it and that that process is just something that i value and want to keep doing you know and i think whilst i feel like it's so important then it's just something that i'm going to keep doing and hopefully keep improving at as well you know mm-hmm. and every time i make a record I feel like that is a huge step in improving my playing as well because I really like I really roast myself to <laughs> to get these things right you know um I've just been through that process again new record coming out and um it's like I'll write stuff that I can't necessarily play already mm-hmm. um and that process is just is great I love it you know you come out the other side like well, that was worthwhile, you know, and you've got a, you've got something, you've got a record to, to show for it. <laughs> Is that, that roasting thing something you've always done? Well, I guess on my own music, um, not necessarily. Like right. the first couple of records that I did, it was just, I didn't know what I was doing as a producer, you know. <laughs> and a, a lot of it is just, I'm sure a lot of your, a lot of people watching this will make their own music you know but it gets difficult <clears throat> the coordinating people and yes. what order you're going to record things and 
all of that is actually quite a big thing. You know, different tracks can happen in different orders and different personnel and in different places. It's it's not like we always just get into a studio and just hit record and play together. It's yeah. um it's not always the not always the case. Not always the preferred case. Sometimes it is, sometimes mm-hmm. it's not. Mm-hmm. Um but um yeah I think just uh I mean I just want to continue making records. I just still sort of feel the the fire for it. The reason I asked it if it was a thing you've always done is what I picked up from you when you said it was that if you look at any other instrument apart from drums if you look at classical piano or the violin or something along those lines those players get better outside of doing technical exercises they get better through repertoire they play harder music do you know what I mean so if you're if you're studying the piano at a college or something the music gets progressively harder as you get better and it seems to be a great way to help progress your playing without you know pre- like getting better through playing music makes lots of sense yeah you know as opposed to being a guy that sits in a room playing drums all day to get better oh yeah, yeah. i mean musical context well you know most master classes that i do mm-hmm. i'll talk about i'll be talking about music 85% of the time <laughs> yeah you know and the drums relationship to it but mm-hmm. it's like I love talking about music. That's where mm-hmm. it's at. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I think, you know, my stuff, uh, it pushes me and I improve, but it's not just like I'm improving technically or whatever. It's I'm also trying to improve in like subtlety and musicality. And, <clears throat> you know, my, my music tends to be kind of, it has layers where there'll, there'll be a backbeat on the two and four, but there'll be something else going on, some other sort of layer happening that's like, for us drummers sort of listening in, it's like, wait a minute. Mm. I I get the vibe. I can feel the soulfulness of this, but there's something going on that I want (laughs) to, I need to inspect that a little closer. For sure. Absolutely. Okay. Um, We've got two more questions left. Um, And the first one is, what drummers inspire you to keep pushing? Don't know. Lots of drummers, I suppose. Um, I listen to Marcus Gilmore a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I just think he's phenomenal. I'd love the way he plays, you know, like totally. They're, all my favorite drummers really are just drummers that just play, you know. Um, mm. He's just someone who is just so heartfelt and natural and mm. soulful and organic and interesting and mm-hmm. yeah it's just amazing i love his playing do you ever go back and look at like do you check in with guys that you would listen to coming up yeah yeah um i was thinking about this the other day like michelle and cello is a bass player mm-hmm. who you know i had all her records um just really followed her closely and like she introduced me to a lot of my favorite drummers because mm-hmm. they all kind of came through her band like gene there was gene lake Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean Rickman, uh, Chris Dave. The first mm-hmm. time I ever saw him was playing with Michelle, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Dean Tony Parks as well. Is mm-hmm. another guy mm-hmm. that she brought to my attention. You know, so that guy's a monster. Absolutely. So there's, there's definitely, yeah, definitely go back. You know, but then for me as well, there's a lot of producers. Like, who's your favorite drummer? Yeah, it's like, well, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, can we? can we talk about Jay Diller instead? Yeah, totally. Because there's so much influence come from him. He's not a drummer, but he programs drums in a way that us drummers are all inspired by, you know? Yeah, I mean, people have been trying to cop that feel for like the last 10 years or something. Yeah. You know, um, was it Robert Glasper? Yeah. Was doing, had some of that kind of stuff on his music as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Questlove and all those guys that, that are, that are, are sort of trying to make that I don't want to say mainstream but do you know what I mean they're like they're, they're bringing it to the attention of, of people that might not have heard that music well yeah I mean it's it's become I think for drummers it's become part of the standard language mm-hmm. is to be mm-hmm. able to just swing it in that mm-hmm. off grid kind of a way <laughs> yeah um, that's we, we w- really went into this on my Patreon with Malarkey we did a, a whole oh, couple of tu- tutorials about this brilliant okay. Um because it's something that we've both done a lot mm-hmm. and um, there's lots to talk about the sort of elasticity 
yeah between drums and bass you know so we thought it was a good subject to cover for that well um we'll make sure we put that in the show notes then so people can link to it and and see it we we kind of get into one on that yes oh good okay it might might be interesting brilliant okay and we'll round out with what is the one thing that would surprise people about you i like cricket (laughs) there you go i thought you were going to tell me like you've got this massive cuban cigar selection or something I couldn't think, like, everyone knows that I love tea, you know, I, I just don't drink coffee, so maybe if I come out of the coffee one of these days, or, or <laughs> in fact, in fact, if I just take my hat off, that'll, that'll, that'll just freak everybody out one of Bro, these days. you should do a Yamaha shoot like that with a Starbucks cup and no hat on. Just... Well, I'm going to, I'm going to take my hat off one day in one of these videos and everyone's just going to talk about the fact that I took my hat off and not, yeah. and, you know, not about the the drumming Brilliant. I did have a lockdown haircut not so long ago so oh, it's, did not, you? it's not too bad there's, oh, there's plenty of hair under there Brilliant. it's just like when you wear a hat all the time you tend to have you know cap hair when you take it off so <laughs> I, I start to wear it when it get like the there was about six months of lockdown where my hair didn't get cut and it just gets it grows out so right it's just going to be a hat for the next little while till I can get a haircut booked, you know. Till they tell us you've, it's all right. Chris, you're fully styled there, mate. You got, oh, you got it's, it's nothing you can say about hat wearing, mate. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, man. Um, where can people find you on the internet if they want to find what you're up to? Well, as mentioned, like Patreon's a good place. Just mm-hmm. to, you know, a lot of content on there, and just talking about a lot of music that I'm working on and all that sort of stuff. Great. Just keep it, keeping it current on there. And then Instagram's the best place. Um, you know, we've got a show coming up at the Jazz Cafe on the 25th, which, as you can imagine, we're like, you know, so looking forward to yeah. just some some shows coming up. And Is that then, the trio? Yeah, that's the right. trio, yeah. We've got some guests coming down. It's going to, I think it's going to be a good one. Good. And um, looking to, looking at hopefully doing some touring with Jose James as well. Great. later in the year and of course you know it's all it all pops up on my instagram all that stuff Great. you've got your own site i believe as well with fully loaded there's a richardspayman.com yeah which um which would have um tour dates and it, which is a just big it's just a big depressing empty page <laughs> oh i should i'm sorry man i'm sorry to depress you right as we're finishing no, it's okay it's okay um, well, great. I, I'll make sure that when we put this all together, all those links are included and, and people can click through and all that. So, um, appreciate that. Listen, man, I really appreciate you taking your time out tonight. I, I appreciate the chat. It was great. Lots of fun. And Not a problem. Total pleasure, Chris. Thank you. No worries, mate. And uh, you stay safe and all that and enjoy the gigs when they come round to you, man. I'm sure, they'll, I'm sure they'll be awesome. You too, man. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for listening to this episode of Drummers Only Radio. You can find us online at www.drummersonly.co.uk. Drop us a line. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Drummers Only UK. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We're on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Any questions, info at drummersonly.co.uk is the email. Or if you need leads, it's leads at drummersonly.co.uk. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Drummers Only.